by Didier Drogba. Yes, the greatest night in Chelsea's history. Champions of Europe at last. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SW6 Daily Podcast. I told you guys that every subsequent episode that comes up, the guests we're going to have on are going to get bigger and bigger. And this guest is no different. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be introducing a football journalist, Nima. Nima, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How are you keeping during these times? It's been stressful. It's been, uh, it's not been, you know, it's it's the same for everyone, to be honest. So there's no need to whinge about it because everyone's kind of going, we're all in the same boat. But mm. uh, it's, it is, it is what it is, you know, what are you going to do? Mm, mm, fair enough, fair enough. And um, so, yeah, that, so thank you so much for coming on, man. We really do appreciate it. So can you please just tell some of the listeners who um, aren't to, uh, haven't heard of you before, can you just tell them what you do? Well, I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a football journalist, specialised uh, uh, in focused and specialised in Italian football and uh, and and Inter in particular. Uh, I started a website called Semperinter.com, uh, which is an Inter news site dedicated. It's a news site dedicated entirely to Inter Milan in English. Uh, mm-hmm. I've worked in the past for Gianluca Di Marzio, CalcioMercato.com. Uh, I do exclusives now and Goal.com, which I did interviews and exclusives for. Now I do. Uh, similar stuff for um, Forza Italian Football and Football Italia. Mm, that's great. That's a fantastic and magnificent CV to have, my friend. But yeah, that's all well said and good. So, Rob, Rob, can you please introduce yourself to uh, the podcast because this is your first time on? Yeah, I'm Rob. I'm one of the writers and also now one of the editors for SW6 Daily. And again, I've actually already spoken to Nima before. Um, Sort of, and again, I'm aware of his knowledge and extreme sort of, you know, knowledge of Italian football of uh, the Azurian, especially, you know, his opinions on certain players, which I think will be really interesting to hear in more detail. Mm. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. So, with all the pleasantries, all well done and good. Let's just hop straight into uh, the actual question. So, for starters, Nima, I want to ask you about Antonio Conte. Now, this is a manager that. Um, Everybody has this love-hate relationship with. Some really, really hate him. Some really, really love him. And talking about Chelsea fans, and with his history of um, leaving, um, he has this history of coming into clubs, winning a lot of titles, and leaving on a very bad note. So I want to find out. Look at looking at his time at Chelsea, and then his first season at Inter. I want you to tell me: Is there any like common? Have you noticed any common trends from those from those first two seasons for Conte? I think you can see uh, very similar uh, tra- traits. Uh, it's it's a little bit of history repeating itself, not just with between what happened at Chelsea and Inter, but also at Juve. Um, he comes in, he starts off really well, he surprises everyone, he raises the level of training and is and and the tactics and and the teams go off really really start off really really well and and then. And then it's as if he kind of forgets what makes him good, and he he starts turning it, turning it into a, you know, he starts whinging, complaining as soon as anything goes against him, and I literally mean anything goes against him. Mm. The smallest mm. thing goes against him, he turns into, he starts whinging, he starts complaining, and he turns the entire env- environment around around him 
into in, into a very toxic environment. I mean, I, I mean that's you know after Chelsea won that Premier League title, uh, after after they secured that, um, it, it, he turned he himself turned that entire dressing room and that entire club into into a no-go zone. It was so toxic to be around yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. And, he, and, he's, and he's done that to a certain extent at Inter too, uh, although it's been mitigated a little bit by himself because I think he has, it seems that he's learned from his past mistakes. But I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of what he did at Juventus as well. I mean, he goes in there, he wins three Serie A titles, they go unbeaten for a year and a half. He sets record after record. He he gets them playing a new, new, new kind of modern football, which you know, which is, which, uh, which was was very difficult to stop and almost impossible to stop, you know, domestically at least. I mean, he started that entire winning circle there, cycle there, and um, but then he resigned because because he threw a hissy fit because Beppe Marotta, who was at at Juve at the time, refused to sign, pay overprice for Juani Turbe, so he resigns and says you can't go to a hundred euro restaurant with 10 euros in your pocket like it's just you know it's it just, it just mm, I love you know yeah I mean that, that, that's kind of what he does and it's 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 like it's as if this might he doesn't have any impulse control as soon as he gets angry about anything he can say anything and do anything he doesn't understand that they have these things have ramifications I mean what he did at Chelsea when he because he said he wanted a different striker to Diego Costa. The club said they were happy with Costa. So naturally, he creates a completely unnecessary shitstorm by texting Diego Costa that he no longer wants him. I mean, who does that? I mean, it's, that's not that's not normal behavior. And yeah, and, that, and and I mean, to me, to me, that's what's so wrong. You know, my criticism against him is his complete lack of control when he gets angry or doesn't get what he wants. He, he, he seems very insecure. It's either you do everything he says and do everything he wants or you're, or you're an enemy, you're his enemy. And that kind of, that kind of mentality and, and, and the fact that he, he doesn't seem to contr- be able to control himself when he gets angry is, is, is rather is detrimental to himself and the clubs he's coached so far. Do you, do you possibly think some of that comes from his own playing career and the fact he was so, you know, uh, he was sort of known as that sort of marshal during his playing career. Do you think that's sort of where the, you know, it's my way or the highway mentality has come from? The, the, I mean, when it comes to the, um, when it comes to the winning mentality and the crankiness, yes, that's his winning. I mean, he was a captain of the Juve, not just any Juventus. He was captain of the Juventus side, the first Marcello Slippi side, which introduced, which had Zidane, which had El Piero, which won everything under the sun. Um, and they, I mean, that was the last time Juve won the Champions League. So, you know, that he was the captain of that Juve. I mean, and, and that's, you know, that that's, um, <clears throat> he was, so, I mean, that he is a winner. There's no doubt about that. The issue is that we, we uh, the, the issue for me is, is his, is his, unnes- these self-inflicted wounds, these unforced errors that just come out of him not being able to control his temper pretty much because he doesn't get everything he wants. That is what you know. That is his weakness because I think the criticisms against him that that are raised against him, such as him being defensive, is nonsense. Or or the fact that he doesn't give young players a chance, absolute nonsense. He's I mean he he launched Paul Pogba onto the stage. He's done it now at Inter with Bastoni. I think if I'm not mistaken, didn't he do it with Christiansen at, at Chelsea as well? I mean yeah. it's 
Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a, he's not. That's simply not true. Or the fact that he's tactically rigid and 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 doesn't know how to how to play in different ways. That's not true. I mean, he started coaching as a four-two-four coach. He comes he comes to Juve. He says that doesn't work, so he switches to a three-five-two. He he goes to Chelsea. He sees this three-five-two doesn't work, so he switches to a three-four-three, and they win the title and the FA Cup. So it's um you know th- those those criticisms against him are just not true and and they're not factual and and there's so I don't I don't. I don't buy into that. My, my issue with him is his 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 inability to his he can't control. He doesn't have any impulse control. Like a child, he throws temper tantrums, and that's and 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 at clubs like Juve and Chelsea, who are stable in in the sense that you know you don't. Although you have you know they are stable. They 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 they're not like Inter, who's about as stable as a busload of plutonium. You know, it's Inter is is a very unstable environment, and when you have someone like that creating these 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 situations unnecessarily, it has ramifications. It shakes the club to its core, and that's what's kind of happened mm. to Inter when he, after the mm. Bologna games, starts hinting that he might leave, and then after the Hellas Verona game, he says that he 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 you know he I mean if he sent a, a dog whistle after the Bologna game, it was a bullhorn after Hellas Verona. And 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 yeah, then and, yeah. and then and and then and then you have and then he he realizes that well maybe I went too far and then he walks it back against Torino, I mean <clears> after <throat> the Torino game and it's just you know and that's great to me that suggests that he's he's capable of learning from his mistakes and that's what I'm hoping because tactically he's one of the best in the world there's no doubt about that his ability to get players to overperform and his ability to 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 lift the level of players and to launch young players onto this into the scene is is um. Is, is 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 I mean he's unrivaled almost in that sense. But but mm. again the big but is his 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 impulse control and his anger management issues and his stubbornness and his this kind of these mental hangups he gets like you know like I said Juani Turbe at Juve don't if they didn't give him that so he resigns at Chelsea he uh, I don't remember who he wanted I think it was. I mean, it could be anyone really, and he doesn't get it, and and he flips out, and 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 that that's yeah. that that's what that's the negative side of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean, I think you, that's you just, said what you said. Sorry. Yeah, go on, Rob. Go on, Rob. I, I was gonna say I think that's the first time I've ever heard Chelsea described as stable. To be honest. No, but I mean, it's everything is relative, you know. Um, and and Inter, if you compare Chelsea compared to Inter, it makes Chelsea seem like. I don't know the most stable environment in the world, um, and 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 that's because Inter are that's that's just how things are. Inter are are a much more unstable club. Chelsea is different. You have a you have a management who 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 doesn't care who, who unceremoniously can kick anyone to the curb. That's different. Uh, at Inter, you have so many different factions inside the club trying to you know fighting each other all the time and you need to have a coach the coach of inter has to be the unifying factor has to be the factor that that unites everyone together and that's only ever really happened in three times three four times in inter's history that and it was helenio herrera in the 60s trapattoni uh, in the 80s and mancini and Mourinho, and they all had fantastic results with inter when when that happened and and that that's the issue at inter it's, it is a very very unstable environment Mm. And you're very right. Like for me, like when you said he has the ability to make like certain individuals look far better than they actually are. For example, Marcos Alonso, I think he's a, he's a very good left wing back. But oh my days, he made him look like there was a point where 
I uttered Marcos Alonso, the best left back in the Premier League, which is I can't believe I actually said that. I wish I could cut off my tongue, you know. But well, I that's, how, that's, that's how we felt. Much. That's how I felt mm. watching Victor Moses under under Antonio Conte at Chelsea. I mean, he made Victor Moses a world beater. Victor Moses is anything yeah. but a world beater. Uh, he's yeah. a good player. He's a decent player, but he's not the best in the world as a like 100%. as a right wing back. And and that that's what I mean. He's he has this ability to get players to overperform and to get the best out of them. And that that's that's just, that's the hallmark of a of a great coach. I mean, look at that Italy side he coached in the Euros. That's probably the worst Italy side in terms of quality in my lifetime. And he got them mm. to a quarter final, beating the reigning world and European champions champions Spain. And and also taking Germany to the to the penalty to the penalty shootout. I mean, he's he's brilliant that way. Mm, mm. I agree with you, man. I mean, do you agree with me when I say he reminds you of that um, a young, talented, super smart, rich kid who just throws tantrums, very catastrophic tantrums when they don't get what they want? Because clearly he has the mentality and the te- technical ability to actually become one of the great managers of the world. Like, I feel like if you went to a club that gave him every single thing he wanted, he'd probably be unbeatable. Do you agree with that statement? No, I don't think he would be unbeatable if he got everything he wants, because I think he needs to be reined in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I, I honestly do. I think he needs to, I think he needs to be reined in because when he's not reined in, he, you know, he gets up into these, he, he puts himself in these, in these situations, which are just absurd because, like for example, this this mental hang-up he has of Arturo Vidal uh, at Juve, he had Jacquerini. It was it was like okay, I can see why. And Jacquerini was a decent player, and Arturo Vidal at Juve was fantastic. But you know the the the, the reasons why 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 Juventus didn't win the Champions League isn't because they didn't sign Juan Iturbe, you know, because the same squad, you mm. know, the same, Max Allegri took that same squad to the two Champions League finals, the one the very next season after Conte quit. With the same squad, they they barely signed anyone. So so it's, I I do think he needs to be reined in. I think if he were to understand that, you know, to calm himself a little bit um, in that mm. aspect, I think I think he would he would improve from it. But it seems to me that Marotta seems to be the Conte whisperer, if you will. It seems that he's able to speak to to him in the lang in a language he understands and control him. Uh, a little bit, um, and that's good because uh, Marotta is the best thing to have happened to Inter since Inter winning the treble. That man is has 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 built. You know, he's so calm, he's so collected, he's so strategically brilliant in everything he does, and and that's why I think you know this. If 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 he wasn't there, this 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 last the the the, the crap storm that we've seen at Inter for the past two weeks would have been so much more worse. Uh, if he mm. hadn't been there, but no, I, I think he could be one of the best ever, absolutely. Mm. But I don't think we should get, he should be given everything he's got because, I mean, he didn't even want Andrea Pirlo at Juventus. Let's remember that he was moaning about that when Marotta signed Andrea Pirlo on a free transfer from Milan, and he got him. He was moaning about that as well. You know what I mean? Like it, mm. it, there's, no, there's no logic to that. Like he shouldn't. It's, it's, it's as if he he needs to have a good whinge to to get on with his work. Mm. Mm. I get what you mean there. I fully get what you mean. And with regards with, I mean, with Conte, because we spent quite a bit of time talking about Antonio Conte now, I think it's only fair that we give some screen time before we get on to uh, the main reason why we're introducing this person to um, Mauricio Sarri. He's almost like a polar opposite of Antonio Conte in the sense that he's not really high management like Conte is. 
So how would you compare, like, because obviously his first season at Chelsea, he got his first ever trophy at Chelsea. He did sort of start implementing his football quite well, despite the fact that his signings, I mean, he did get a few of signings he wanted, but our team wasn't really built too well for that team. So how would you compare his first season at Chelsea and his first season at Juventus? Are they relatively similar? I'd say yes, because he's he's an ideologue. Maurizio Sarri is an ideologue, uh, and, and so is Antonio Conte, but in a different way. Um, Sarri wants to play in his 4-3-3 of triangles is very I mean it's an Italian version of the tiki-taka that Barcelona play mm. personally yeah. on, a, on a side note I'd love to see what Maurizio Sarri could do at Barcelona I think it would be a match made in heaven I've uh, been wanting to see that happen for several years now and I think after after he I think after the Juve job depending on that how that goes I think that can actually happen um, but I, I, he he needs his players. Uh, he needs very tip, very a few typical, very a few players of a specific identity to to get his football out. Jorginho is imperative to that, uh, to that, to how that how how he plays, um, and and especially if you look at how he played at Empoli and Napoli, and and even some you can see. Paulo Dybala and Ronaldo and, and Douglas Costa, the way they link up at Juve, you see, you're starting to see an embryo of Sarri, Sarri's football, and and when it works, it's it's so beautiful to watch, um, and it's 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 beautiful. I mean, that Napoli team he had was 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 the most beautiful to me. That was the most attractive team in in, in all of Europe to watch. Um, his Chelsea team was a bit different. I mean, I think he struggled a little bit <clears throat> to adapt, but then he kind of got going, um, and. <clears throat> and 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 then he won his title, won a title, and I felt he. I mean, I think the reason why he left. I mean, well, after that whole incident with Kepa, uh, you know, in the League Cup final, I think it was. It was. I mean, that it, he was a dead man walking since then, because I mean, it was, and, and the club didn't back him up, and it was pretty clear that he wanted out. Um, and uh, you know, it, it was good for everyone. I think it was a win-win situation for everyone that he left. I think Chelsea did better by him leaving. And pursuing this, you know, having, you know, the academy players that you have, the fantastic academy players you have and signing young players to as an added spice and build on that. And then he got to go to Juve, which, you know, he was told the first year, just just win the title and build something long term. And then next season, they've already bought uh, Artur, Artur Melo from Barcelona, Dejan Kulusevski from Atalanta. And I think Jorginho could be coming back as well. And I think... Th- that's looking more and more like a Sarri team. I think next season we'll see real Sarri's, re- Sarri's real imprints on Juventus more than this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. Certainly, you sort of talk about Jorginho sort of coming back because um, obviously I know, uh, and again, Danny knows, I have a very different opinion on Jorginho to him. Um, and Jorginho's role, like I think, you know, that this reduced the role in England, as people like to sort of phrase it, doesn't really work the same way it works in Italy. So I'd just like to know your thoughts on, you know, where is Jorginho best suited? Is he best sitting in that, you know, role in front of the back four, controlling the tempo? Or does yes. he need someone alongside him? Um, so what is the best way to get the most out of him? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, if you midfield is a central midfield is either three players or two players um, in a Sari system, it's three. So he'll have two players next to him or slightly above him. Uh, and at, at Napoli, he had Hamshik and Alan. Alan a bit more of a fighter, and the same way that Kante was at Chelsea. And then you have Hamshik, who was a little bit more attacking, which I think the idea was to put. Um, What's his name? Uh, Kovacic, uh, with 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 mixed results at Chelsea, obviously. But um, 
but but to me, I, Jorginho, I, I don't think it's an it's an England issue. I think it was more of a people who cover and watch Chelsea and, and English football don't understand what that role is for, and they keep looking at assists and they keep looking at goals and they say, well, he doesn't do anything. Well, that's not true because he he. All, I mean, if if we if we counted assists the same way they do in ice hockey with the assist before the assist. You'd see how important someone like Jorginho is when he takes the ball and he hits these triangulated passes behind the defenses, finding these really, really small, these tiny, tiny um, spaces, which are so difficult to find, almost Pirlo-like, um, with, with, with millimeter precision. That's what he did at Chelsea, and that's what made him so good at Chelsea. But, I mean, it's, it's a different football culture in England. People just, you know, expect a central defensive midfielder to be like Vieira, you know, or Roy Keane. That's not how it works in Italy. Uh, the regista is the regista role is different. Um, it's 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 a creative role, like similar to, um, you know, to to the old pivote role that Pep Guardiola, for example, had at Barcelona. Uh, so you know when he was in his playing days. So so I think it's um, I think it's just footballing culture. Uh, I do think Jorginho should go back to Italy because. Uh, there he'll get. The, I mean, it's good for him, just like it's good for Chelsea. Chelsea got a player, have a player now that the coach doesn't really understand, doesn't know how to use him. He doesn't really suit that football, that that team. You know, so if you can cash in on him, you know, every every it's, everyone's a winner. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely mm. would definitely I, would agree. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like um, Rob does is not really the biggest fan of Georgina. And the thing is like um. Before I got in more into university and um, software development as my uh, day-to-day stuff, I used to watch quite a bit of Italian football, and I watched the second season of Napoli when things had just, you know, become more. Because that first season, yeah, you could sort of see what I was trying to do, but that second season was where stuff really picked off, and then the third one was like when things rounded off. Watching a player like Jorginho, a lot of people just expect this person that's going to do a lot of running and a lot of movement. You don't really need that sort of thing to work. And I think in Sari's system, and now Nima, correct me if I'm wrong, Sari's system is more of, um, it's more systematic. Do you know what I mean? Lampard's system is a lot more running involved. There's a lot more movement involved. But in Sari's system, as long as you know where to position yourself correctly and you set up the triangles correctly, then you're perfectly fine. So I feel like a player of Jorginho's quality, like you said, Frank doesn't really know how to use him the way he should be used. And that's why he's getting a lot of criticism. So with all of that actually being said, do you see Jorginho signing for someone in um, in uh, the Serie A this season? You see him going going back to Mauricio Sarri, or you don't see him leaving Chelsea? Or what do you think is going to happen with him? Um, I th- I think he I think he'll leave. I think he'll I I, I expect uh, Jorginho to leave Chelsea. I really do. Um, I expect him to. Uh, I, I think he wouldn't mind going back. To, I think Juve is what he wants to do because Sarri is there, and I think that would be. I mean, th- that would work as well, because obviously you've got both uh, Jorginho and you've got Artumelo there. And I think Jorginho would be very important for Sarri to kind of implement the way he wants to play. Um, I think that's the most impl- important player uh, in, in that system. So mm. I, I, I expect I expect him to leave. I really do, because, you know, he's not made, you know, it's not working for anyone, is it? Uh, let's be honest. It's, I mean, he. what's the point of. I mean, there's no point for Ch- for Chelsea to have a player that, uh, that that that's not part of uh, their plans and it's just costing money. 
you know, and 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 yeah. Jorginho's, Jorginho's, you know, his prime year sitting on the bench. I mean, it's just it's just a waste. It's just a waste yeah. for everyone. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair enough. So, with Jorginho said, so based on what you sound, so I mean, if you were to rate this out of ten, you'd say Jorginho is out of ten. What do you how what what's the likelihood of, likelihood of him actually leaving? I'd say it's about six, five, six. Okay. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. So that's Jorginho out of the way. So I also want to ask about some other players that um, I know, like uh, Conte might be interested in. I've seen a few rumours about the likes of Emerson and um, uh, Marcos Alonso. And aside from out from Chelsea, I'm seeing a few ins from um, some other people. So what sort of news, transfer news, is rela- related to Chelsea can you see happening with um, the Serie A this season? I I think Emerson Palmieri is is I mean it's it's if it's a secret it's probably the worst kept secret in in football. It's no doubt that Inter want Emerson Palmieri because he's the ideal left wing back for <clears throat> for um, for uh, Antonio Conte's Inter. The not way he wants to Marcos play. Alonso. Marcos Alonso, not, mm, I, you know he's I, look he's he's played in the Serie A. But he's a bit older, and Emerson, and he comes with a bit of baggage. Um, whereas, okay, whereas Emerson, that. Emerson Palmieri is an Italian international. Uh, he's, he knows the league. He's played there, you know. Even though he's Brazilian-born, he, he is a naturalized Italian, and he plays for the Italian national team, and, and he knows Conte really well. So I think that that's the natural, and, and he would be cheaper as well, and he's younger, and, and so it just ticks all the boxes that makes both Marotta and Conte happy. So uh, to me, Emerson is 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 the Emerson Palmieri is the is the natural choice, um, and I think I think it will happen. I really do. I, but I do. There's another thing that it's really it's becoming more and more clear, and Italian press are reporting on it more and more, and that is Engolo Kanté, uh, and uh, and then Chelsea seem to be open to letting him go as well, uh, by the sounds of it. Um, and that that at least according to the Italian press, and I think that is something that I would be paying attention to much more. The the Kante, the 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 idea of that maybe a swap between maybe Brozovic and Kante could be on the cards. Okay, I, I mean, I, I, I personally, I from everything I've heard, I don't think Kante will be going. But that's sort of based, again, that's partly on my you know wish because I don't think he'll be uh, on his way out. I think Lampard's really keen on using you know him in that deeper role with the two number eight next season. But just on a more general sort of point about transfers, um, why do it, it, many Italian players sort of seem to move between clubs rather than sort of going out of the league? And what the fans sort of think about this? Because obviously, you know, you have people like Bonucci, obviously, who went from Juventus to Milan back to Juventus. You've had sort of various names sort of, you know, swapping internally within the league. And in the Premier League, you know, because of the bypasses our nature, a lot of fans, I think, would uh, criticise it. Is that the same in Italy? Um, no. Uh, in Italy, it's because in these, the Serie A for the Italians is the best league in the world, like historically, and it's always been like that. And they, they you know, Italian players prefer to stay at home, you know, uh, and, and not leave. I mean, English players don't exactly do, you know, there's not a lot of English players who've gone to Italy or Spain. I mean, Gary Lineker had like one or two seasons in Bar- Barcelona. Ian Rush, flo- Ian Rush flopped at Juventus. Uh, David Platt had a decent decent career in Sampdoria and Bari. But other than that, um, you know, when it comes to these big, you know, the the, the three big, the, the Spain and England and, and, and Italy, they these, these, these are cultures that they're very 
you know, they, these these are players and footballing cultures that prefer to stay where they are. Uh, so I, th- I think there's more to that, um, really. But I mean, look at, I mean, that, but but that's kind of changed a little bit as well. I mean, Verratti has, Marco Verratti has never played in the Serie A. He went from the Serie B directly to PSG. So, uh, you know, so you have these glaring exceptions. But I mean, I think it's, it's um it's just one of the it's a historical fact it's a historical issue more than anything that you know in you know these 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 players stay at home and in i mean germany germany is different and holland is different as well they used to they you know those big players either went to spain or or italy and now they're staying at home in germany as well because partly because they make more money in germany than they do in italy uh or you know that that's how that's how it's been for the last decade and and so Especially if you're if you're talking about the top players, they all go to Bayern Munich, uh, and so that and that's where we are. So I I don't think it's uh, I mean to me that's just a that's just a remnant of how it's always been really. Yeah, very much agreed on on that point. And again, the only other name I could think yeah. of where I, I I think they've done well is Ray Wilkins would be the only one I'd sort of really throw out there. But yeah. Obviously, I, I think mm. that's a you know really good point on the culture. Yeah, I mean Paul Ince was mm. had like one or two seasons at Inter, and that, and it was all right. He did all right, became a fan favorite. But other than that, it's it's not that many English players who leave the 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 Isles either. So it's it's it, it, yeah. Same with Spanish players. I mean, it is changing, but traditionally it's always been like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Fair enough. Okay. I like that take. I like it a lot. It's just like a lot of people just. It's just like any other person. People don't really. People tend to stay within their own um, countries whenever they want to play football. And just in life, generally, a lot of people just don't like moving away from home, regardless of uh, what the situation is. But with that being said, we do have a few viewer questions I want to get to next. But before I get to that, I know we have spoken a little bit about transfers. But is there any juicy transfer information you can give to us for the listeners um, regarding Chelsea or? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I'm. I. Uh, I don't. Re- I don't cover Chelsea that much. But I mean, the the deals I know that. I mean, the the Kante and the Emerson Palmieri and Marcos Alonso um, uh, are the ones I'd. I, those are the ones I'd say watch out for because I'm not saying it's going to be. This is happening, but I do think that there mm. is. There could be developments, especially with the Kante one. Um, mm, uh, very interesting. I think. I think that's really. I think that's uh, that's a really interesting point, and I and I do think I mean just because I mean the fact that you said the fact that Lampard wants runners, Marcelo Brozovic runs more than anyone in the Serie A. Uh, he's he's amongst the top three players that con- that covers the most distance per game uh, in the Serie A, and has been for three four seasons. Uh, and he he's also a physical player, uh, even though he's very like he's not he knows how to tackle, even though he's not a big lad and he's not heavy and and like he doesn't look like a bodybuilder he looks more like a toothpick if you look at his body stature but he's 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 a hard player and he's he's got intelligence and he can play uh you know he can build play and dictate tempo as well so i think that is something that would i think that would suit lampard a lot and therefore i think i really i wouldn't i wouldn't exclude a kante brozovic brozovic uh, tr- uh swap cash in between of course that's that's very interesting. That's very, very interesting, bro. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you so much for that, Nima. So I want to ask you some viewer questions. And the first question they have for you is, who was your favourite Italian Chelsea manager and player? And why did you choose those two? Uh, it's Roberto Di Matteo uh, as, a, as a manager. Because he what he did at Chelsea as a coach taking over 
I think is very, very overlooked. I think he he really did something that was that was spectacular. He took over a team that was mentally at the bottom after having been destroyed by Napoli in the first leg mm. of that of that Champions League. And then he goes and he takes them over and he gets them to and he gets the balance right and he gets them turn and he turns them into into a machine and they just go. You know, they they win the Champions League, they win the FA Cup, and and it's just the way he does it. I, I was it was it was really impressive to see. It was really impressive to see. So I think just 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 based on that, what he did there for a year is it was eight eight nine months even was was fantastic. Um, mm. As for the best as for the best player, it's, Gian, Gian, uh, it's Gianfranco Zola. I mean, mm. it's Zola is Zola is. I mean, he's he's so underrated. Next in my level. Opinion. He is next level. I mean, I remember. I think it was, I think when he was when he was manager at West Ham about ten years ago. I think they asked Mark Noble if who the best player in the squad was, and he replied Gianfranco Zola, because it's. Mm. I mean, the, the guy is he's got so much football uh, in him. He's got so much football IQ in him, and so much talent. And I know I, I really really rate him. Hmm. Mm. I rate, I rate. I actually do enjoy those selections. I mean, for me, when it comes, I mean, with that being actually said, when it comes to choosing my favorite Italian manager for Chelsea, I mean, Di Matteo is always going to have a place in my heart for winning the Champions League because I mean, that's our only one today. It's eight years later, and we still haven't won another. But another manager that I really love that Chelsea that I wish I did see more of was Carlo Ancelotti. And I know Car- Carlo was Carlo was a really really good manager, and the sort of football that he brought to the bridge was some of the best. And arguably, could be you could say it was the best football we did at the bridge, winning teams eight nil, absolutely bashing teams in. And I know there was a point in time. Please correct me if I'm wrong, because I mean I wasn't too old at the time, but um, there was a time when Andrea Perlo apparently was linked, sort of linked to Chelsea mm. at that point mm. in time. Do mm. you feel like if we actually did? Um, Get him that he would have turned out. I mean, would have done as well as um, a lot of people envisioned. I, I, th- I think, I think he would have because it. I mean, when he, the fact that he did so well at, um, at with with Juve and Conte's Juve, which is a, which is a, which is a very dynamic team, and in you know, in terms of intensity, that shows that. I mean, he 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 was brilliant there. Uh, some would say he's probably had that was the best period of his career. Um, I, I I think that shows that he he would have been able to do it in the Premier League with with Ancelotti as well. And those two, I mean, they had a fantastic spell together at Milan, which was almost a decade long, winning two Champions League. So no, I I, I think I think I think he would have done really well. I mean, he is he is mm. unbelievable. Pirlo is the class that man possesses is is unbelievable. Something else. Yeah, that it's... man, even the pictures, you know, all his Instagram pictures and his adverts. I know that's a bit like childish, <laughs> but oh my days. Like, you see the amount of swagger that man has when he does He really does. He really yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. He, he does really things does. like, he's the kind of man that does things properly, you know. So, like, oh, no, nah, I rate him highly. And with that actually being said, I'm actually kind of curious. A lot of people um, in the Chelsea community, because, I mean, I love Jorginho, but I call a spade a spade. And for me, the club is the most important part. I feel like it doesn't really fit too well. A lot of people usually draw Perlo comparisons. And because they are not really the biggest fans of Jorginho, they say since Perlo and Jorginho are sort of similar players, registers, that if Perlo was in the Premier League, he wouldn't have been a successful player. Do you nah. disagree with this? And how yeah. would you compare, like, Jorginho and... Um, Andrea Perlo in terms of their play style, it's 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 much different because Jorginho is um, 
Pirlo didn't necessarily need to fiddle with the ball too much. I mean, that's what's so great about him, that he 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 didn't take too many touches of the ball. Jorginho takes more touches with the ball and needs a bit more time in that sense to kind of position himself to playing these passes almost uh, like a quarterback in NFL. But uh, Pirlo, Pirlo was different, and Pirlo was more dynamic, I'd say, even though he's, he's, hardly the, he's hardly a marathon runner or a sprinter. The man jogged for most of his career on the pitch, but he didn't need to do much more than that because he was, I mean, that, that's the class he possessed. He, but so, so I think, for me, I, I, I think uh, it, they are different. They're much different. I think Pirlo was, was much more quicker in thought and action than Jorginho is. And I think that is mainly what bugs people, people in England and the Premier League fans. They're not used to that. They want much, much more, they want a quicker pace and quicker things to happen faster. Uh, than they do that than 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 Jorginho allows them to happen, and I think that's the main reason they people have taken taken issue with him. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really really sort of good point, especially on sort of the Pirlo and Jorginho. And obviously, I think you'd say Pirlo is one of those modern favourites now at Juventus, certainly over you know the last decade, just with the impact that he had, and because he came in you know from AC Milan, where he was meant to be sort of washed up, and suddenly you know reminded everyone that he's actually a very classy player. Just on the point of favourites, I think it's worth us. We've asked about favourite Chelsea players, so it'd only be fair to ask your favourite player ever to play for Inter. Oof. Um, <laughs> well, no, I'd have to. I'd, um, I'd have to go with. Um, I'd probably have to go with actually uh, with uh, Lothar Mateus. You know that that Inter team. That's the reason I became an Interista. That's because I started following Inter. Is that that's that a fantastic that, shout? That 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 team to me was that, that was something else. So it, it it's definitely one of them. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, I think as pe- people, I think tend to forget. Obviously, with Inter, obviously not doing as well in recent years in the Serie A. What incredible teams they've sort of had in the sort of past. I mean, I, I would have personally, on my lifetime, it would be Zanetti because Zanetti to me just embodies everything that is sort of fantastic about. Um, sort of a modern footballer, so much drive, so much passion, so much energy, you know, willingness to win, would play every single position. Um, just on the sort of topic I think of talking about Inter, because sort of, as a general point, obviously Inter are still in the Europa League at this moment in time. Obviously that's returning in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's fairly safe to say Chelsea won't be winning the Champions League, but Inter, I think, you know, very realistically could win the Europa League. Would you say that's a fair assessment? I absolutely would agree with that. In fact, I'd say given the draw, uh, how it looks, I would, uh, I demand a win. Uh, Not a win, but I demand a final, a final spot because Wolverhampton, Man United, Sevilla, Roma are all on the other half of the draw. Uh, With all due respect to Wolfsburg and Eintracht and Getafe uh, and Shakhtar Donetsk, these are teams Inter should win against there's no doubt in my mind and and the fact that it's one-off games all played in august after the league has already been taken care of that that inter can relax going into those games they're not under pressure uh, now some would say that that's the only that's precisely the reason why inter won't win it because when inter's backs aren't against the wall they can't perform uh and and that's mm. you know there is there is there is a point to that as well but i do um I still think that you know after the, this Inter is a bit different, and if 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 you know given that once that Champions League spot has been secured, once they know their position in the Serie A, I think it would uh, I, to me it's um, to me that 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 speaks in favour of Inter 
going far in the Europa League. And to be honest, as I said, I before before the before I saw the draw, I was I was say you know semi final quarter final is what you can ask. But now that I've seen the, this draw uh, and and given the format, one off games neutral venue played after the Serie A season, you uh, I mean and the draw Inter have to get to the final. Uh, there's no there's no excuses. Anything other than that is a failure. In my so we're going. So we're going for Inter in the final, beating Manchester United with the Lukaku winner. I think. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, uh, oh yeah, I think that's a very, yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. I read that. Can you just imagine the level of shit house? Lukaku celebration is one of the best things on the planet. If he does manage to pull such a thing off. <laughs> Oh my days! Oh my days! Yeah, Conte was... finally got his man after all these years. Yeah, I mean that's so. That's the thing though with with Lukaku. I I, I got to say this. I I watched him at United and it was horrible. His confidence mm. was, was was awful. But the the so the criticism against this guy at some points is bordering absurd. Mm. I mean this notion yeah. that his first touch is crap. It's so exaggerated because what have I been? Then why have I been watching him? Um, doing doing brilliantly at Inter for all this season with his first touch. His linker play is fantastic. It's been absolutely second to none this um, season at Inter. Uh, I mean, so, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to act like I haven't watched Inter this season really. I've not I've only watched like three or four games of theirs. But Lukaku in the Premier League sometimes his first touch wasn't necessarily the best. I mean, definitely well, it was blurred way out of proportion. Definitely, but that's what I'm I just saying, think. I mean, you know when when you clip people up, you know, and like I keep telling people that like, you can't clip anybody. Yeah, and Lukaku unfortunately had quite a few um quite he's had he's had that at Inter as well. But if you look at the overwhelming touches that are good again versus those who are bad, it's like what ninety nine point five percent good versus zero and a half percent bad. And I to me that's that's not even a discussion. Mm. That's just that's just silly, you know. It's just silly. To me, to me, that's just silly because okay. it's because because it's because I mean, if you if you I've watched every single game he's played this season for Inter, and barring I, I could count the number of bad touches he's had on one hand. Mm. Like, mm. and I'm not exaggerating. Mm. Honestly. Very interesting, you know. Like, very yeah. very interesting. Mm. But I, I know that yeah. in the in the in the Premier, but, but the thing is, like, we have to understand that football is an organic thing. It's 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 about people, all right. And when people don't feel the confidence and they are in a, in a toxic environment like Alexis Sanchez and Romelu Lukaku both were at United, then they all underperform. Whilst both of them at Inter, I mean, Alexis Sanchez, is, since the return of football after the Corona uh, thing, he's been phenomenal. He's been Inter's best player. Um, mm. and, and Lukaku has been overall this season Inter's best player. Uh, mm. So, so no, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's all about confidence and playing in systems that suit you and in being in environments where you feel appreciated and, 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 and included and, and all that. stuff. I think all, you know, all of that stuff matters. It's not, it's not FIFA. It's not football manager. You can't just put in the guy with the right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, has, it has to click on and off the pitch. And it, and with Lukaku, it really has, there's no, there's no issue. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. It has. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's very, because a lot of people just tend to jump to confusions because like I said it's very unfortunate the world that we live in you know you could just like I keep telling people you can clip anybody up you can clip yeah. Messi up you can clip Ronaldo up you can clip anybody anyone, up and then just anyone. make them look bad so clip yeah, absolutely sure. anyone but 
with that all being said, we're going to take a bit of a, we're going to put, we're going to put our foot on the brakes a little bit here. We're going to be talking, so talking a bit about football. We're going to be talking more about you, Nima. So can you tell us about how you got into um, like journalism and all the stuff that you do? Like, can you just give us like a little backstory of how you got into all of this? Well, I mean, it started with me doing. Um... It's it started by me start I started I was I was at uni in Wales in Aberystwyth and I was studying law and mm. my last term was when the credit crunch happened my last year and so you know graduate mm. jobs were, were were very difficult to find and I was also by then pretty finished oh, with totally. yeah and also I was pretty much finished with uh, I was I felt done with the law. I'm really happy I did law and I was because it taught me a lot, but I was finished with it. And so mm. I'd already kind of started writing a little bit in Sweden um, about Italian football. A friend of mine kept badgering me to to do it and I did and it went really well. And then I just saw that there was a hole in the market for an inter website that produced news and delivered news to English speaking people. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, there was nothing. I mean, this was this was uh, this was before the Internet. I'm born in 1981. I used to. You know, I, I always, I always, I always tell the story of how I used to save up money to buy the Gazeta dello Sport, the old, the, a day old Gazeta dello Sport, and and look at it cover to cover and pretend, and and hope that one day I'd be able to read it and understand what it says because I didn't speak Italian. So, what I wanted to—that's why I started the website. I wanted to to create to be able to give people news about Inter so they could follow it uh, in 24/7, 365 days per year. And so I started doing that, and and then you know one thing led to another, and I did you know I started doing other things. I did you know started doing stuff for Di Marzio and branched out, and and then Goal, and then Calcio Mercato, and now Football Italia and Forza Italia football. Mm, mm, that's actually really interesting. I I find that very very interesting. Like you said, you started at a time when um, um when like communic like in the internet and technology had just not really even kicked off properly. It started very, very much in the 2000s, like well on a worldwide scale. So what sort of advice would you give to anybody that wants to do the sort of stuff that you do for a living now, basically? Uh, I don't know. Um, patience. Um, a lot of patience. Don't be prepared to work really hard for several years without any reward. Uh, mm. until you know be prepared to work two three years without noticing any reward but it, it, it's it's a marathon you have to remember it's a marathon not a sprint and if you're prepared to do the yeah. marathon if, if you're prepared to do the marathon then 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 do it but if you're not then don't do it because you'll just be disappointed mm. Mm. fair enough fair enough so i'm guessing when did you become an interfan that's out of curiosity i was eight years old um yeah, it was it was when I was eight years old in um, uh, 1988-89 season, Inter de Record, uh, that mm. Lothar, the Lothar Mateus, the Trapattoni side, the Zenga, Bergomi, Ricardo Ferri, etc., etc. Fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, Nima, before we wrap on the, wrap up on this episode, I just got one final question for you because I mean, you're very, very intelligent from to- talking about football and many things. I can tell from the way you speak and everything, but. When you're not talking football or you're mm. not writing or none of nothing football related, what are okay. you doing with your spare time? Like, what are you doing to relax <laughs> and wind down? Um, I I uh, I watch a lot of uh, I read a lot. Um, I read mm. a lot. I read a lot. Uh, I uh, politics. U.S. a lot of politics. 
Uh, I read a lot of literature. I watch a lot of uh, watch films, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, mm. no, I, I read a lot. I read uh, I, I, English literature and American literature, classical literature is a passion of mine. I read a lot. Of, I follow a lot of politics because I'm really interested in that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I rate that really highly. I rate that really highly. Nima, I said that was the last question, but I want to ask you, what's your favourite classic for starters? That's the last question for me. Because <laughs> you said you love reading and stuff like that. And I'm actually currently <sighs> reading because I love reading. Um, I don't know if you've heard of like John Grisham before or Jeffrey Archer. Yeah. Yeah. I love reading, or Malcolm Gladwell. I love reading books myself. So I'm not kind of curious. What are like your favourite? Do you have any favourite books? No, they don't I, have I to mean, be fictional or anything, but just like yeah. any sort of favourite books. Um, I I love Charles Dickens. I love his work. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I, I, I think Charles I, Dickens. I've read I think I've read Great Expectations about three times, uh, three or four times. Shakespeare, without a doubt. Oscar Wilde is a, uh, you know, Blake, Oscar Wilde, um, Dylan Thomas, you know, all these. Uh, Camus, Sartre. I mean, I I read I like everything. So I mean, I can't really say what I like the most. But um, right now I've been reading. Um, Elena Ferrante, it was an Italian uh, author who, who, who's a contemporary writer, author uh, who writes, she wrote a trilogy called the Naples Trilogy and it's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I shall be picking, I think I shall be picking that up very soon because uh, I've almost run out of books, you know, with this coronavirus. I've read too many books too many times. <laughs> times over. Oh yeah. dear. Well, Nima, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us so Pleasure. much information. I really do Pleasure. appreciate it. Is there anything else um, you just like to talk about? Like anything you'd like to talk about before we uh, before we leave? No, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here and keep up the good work. And thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on, Nima. And Rob, thank you so much for helping me out with this episode as well. So, listeners, thank you guys so much. I told you guys that I was coming back with another banger. We've had Nima on the podcast, and things are just going to keep on improving our SW6 daily. I hope you guys really enjoyed the giveaway. We shall be doing another one very, very soon. And my name has been Dami at the Grand Dam on Twitter, and I will catch you guys in the next episode. Okay, goodbye.